0: Welcome, gardeners. I am Louisa Pringle Cameron, and this week's episode of the Charleston Gardener is all about weeds. <music> Always heard that a weed is just a plant in the wrong place? Well, I have to take issue with that. There are weeds in our garden that I would not enjoy seeing anywhere. When we moved onto this downtown property in 1982, the obviously once pretty garden of camellias, azaleas, and Philadelphia, the mock orange, was an overgrown patch of clover for lawn, cherry laurels, Prunus caroliniana, for shrubs, and a mass of weeds that I had never seen before. Smilax vines smothered the few large azaleas and wisteria rambled through the clumping bamboo at the back of the property. A couple of magnolia trees dominated parts of the garden, dropping wheelbarrow loads of faded brown leaves all year long. I put those littersome leaves into the weed category because they ruined the appearance of the garden, were difficult to eliminate, could not be composted, and came back every day. Chickweed, bittercress, dandelions, spurge, nutsedge, poa grass, crabgrass, ground ivy, which is Creeping Charlie, onions, Virginia creeper, and vetch were identifiable. Thank goodness we never found any Florida betony. According to our local extension service, there are 10 common types of Smilax in South Carolina and five uncommon ones. We have lived here for 40 years, and I still have to crawl under the big azaleas we inherited and try to dig out the enormous bulbs of the Smilax vine. I have never been able to eliminate the thug, but it's easy to pull off the top of the shrubs, and its delicate but long-lasting green leaves are very pretty decorating a mantle at Christmas. The Sweet Autumn Clematis vine is another pretty plant that became invasive— Every year when I finally notice it because it's covered in small white flowers, I pull a thick mat of it out of some of our shrubs because I cannot seem to completely dig it up either. I would recommend it for covering a chain-link fence. Our eventual, many years later, solution was to re-sod, get rid of the magnolia trees, especially as the largest cracked our brick wall and threatened to push it out into the street— Replace much of the soil where the flower beds would go and use a lot of pine bark and pine needle mulch. I have weed barrier cloth under the mulch on some of the paths and in a few of the beds. Hurricane Hugo helped rid the garden of cherry laurels, but oh how those berries used to litter the ground and sprout by the hundreds. The birds cheerfully feast on them and the many other shrubs and trees that produce berries all over the city. When there's fruit, automobiles will be covered with droppings if left near a cherry laurel or a mulberry tree. Hardly a day goes by that we don't pull up palmetto seedlings. Lagustrum, oak, and something in the mimosa family often need plucking as well. I am not sure what kind of mimosa, but it is probably mimosa pudica, considered in much of the South as a noxious weed. In the UK, however, it gained a Royal Horticultural Society Award of Garden Merit. One man's trash is certainly another's treasure. Over the years, we have been able to manage the slowly creeping bamboo, the wisteria, and the dandelions, but we've never been able to eliminate them we were successful ending the crabgrass attack but spotted spurge chickweed and clover remain stubborn enemies i have almost eliminated a weed that appears with the larkspur seedlings it mimics them grows along with them and then takes over i think it's in the carrot family we try to use as few chemicals as possible i have poured boiling water on the spurge which is dangerous because our house has steps going down into the garden but boiling water often works in a small space. My mixture of salt dissolved in vinegar is not very satisfactory. It leaves a salty film on paving and cannot be used on soil. We do have a lawn service that provides organic mosquito control in addition to feeding the zoysia grass and using pre- and post-emergence for the grass weeds. Crowding beds with good plants, maintaining a healthy lawn, Mulching and using a lot of decorative ground covers are good ways to keep weeds down. I have been dividing ajuga, also known as bugleweed, and spreading it around shady areas. In early spring, mine has beautiful blue blossoms covering a five to six inch stem and thick overlapping evergreen leaves that do keep the weeds down. There are many varieties of this good plant, including ones with variegated and bronze leaves. Sunny spot ground covers like phlox, candy tuft, and sedums also help, and we have all three throughout the flower beds. Mexican petunia or ruellia became too aggressive, spreading quickly and crowding out everything else, so I am experimenting with a dwarf variety in a semi-shady spot. It is spreading, but slowly, and is no taller than six inches so far. Clover is my nemesis. We have at least four different types in the grass, in our moss patio, in the flower beds, and in the gravel of the driveway. Some of it has a large bulb made up of little bulblets, like a garlic clove. Some has shallow roots. Another type tangles up into the annuals and grows up to 18 inches. And the tiny one with reddish leaves and red stems deviously runs through and under all of the plants in the garden. It has strong roots that break off when pulled it is extremely difficult to remove. Eyed makes a product that will kill chickweed and clover, but unfortunately these two prolific survivors appear just when the seedlings of favorite spring annuals like larkspur, nasturtiums, and poppies also sprout. I spend most of my spring hours allotted to gardening just weeding by hand. The best tool for me is a serrated kitchen knife. I have lost so many of these knives, often purchased at a dollar store or gathered at Goodwill, that I have recently wrapped the handles in bright orange tape. I get my knife, a kneeling pad, a bucket, and a little bag that holds my cell phone and fastens around my waist and listen to podcasts, books on tape, or music while weeding away. It is most satisfactory to fully clear an entire area. I have a long-handled, thin wedge-shaped hoe with a sharp edge and a serrated edge, which is efficient on weed seedlings that pop up en masse in the mulched paths and in the driveway. This tool, which I found at a local nursery, also reaches far into the flower beds and can fit between many of the plants. You all knew that I was going to get to the subject of Roundup, so here goes. Yes, we do have a bottle, and yes, we do use it, but only occasionally, and only strictly following the directions. All of our beds are outlined with brick borders, and the weeds and grass are drawn to the warmth and to the cracks in the mortar. I cannot pry zoysia out from between the bricks with any kind of tool, and boiling water won't kill the roots, so we do spray the borders and part of the sidewalk out front with this controversial mixture." I anticipate that something less harmful will come along soon. Everyone in our family is highly allergic to poison ivy, and although it only appeared once, I would not hesitate to spray it with something stronger than a salt spray. The plant of the week is a woody vine, the Peggy Martin Rose. This rose survived being under 20 feet of salt water for over a week after Hurricane Katrina, It was in the garden of Mrs. Peggy Martin and is a smash hit here in Charleston, where you can see its soft pink blossoms vigorously twining around the trunks of the trees along Colonial Lake. Of course, the suggested chore this week is to keep on top of those weeds. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of The Charleston Gardener. Thanks go to Daniel Patrick, editor and producer. Remember the words of Benjamin Disraeli, How fair is a garden amid the trials and passions of existence.